This week on the Live Big, Lift Big podcast, we're joined by all-around badass Tiana Nicole Talent. Tiana is a nutrition coach and NPC figure athlete who holds a master's in clinical health psychology, as well as a doctorate in physical therapy. In today's episode, we'll learn how Tiana overcame a history of disordered eating and negative body image to healing her relationship with food, her body, and now competes on the bodybuilding stage as a physique athlete. Hey, welcome everyone. You are listening to the Live Big, Lift Big podcast powered by Paragon Training Methods, hosted by LCK and myself, Alex Macklin. Thanks for listening in and we hope y'all enjoy the show. Well, today's super fun. Tiana, welcome to the Live Big, Lift... How do I mess this up every time? <laughs> Live Big, Lift Big podcast. Uh, Yay! Brian was obviously like our first guest just because we were nerding out over like cycles and training, but you're kind of like our first official, official guest, which is super oh awesome. <laughs> so uh, no I would love, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so I would love to start and just kind of let you free reign on, yo, who is Tiana? Uh, give us a little bit about your backstory. And then we have some really fun questions for you because it's like across the board, I think you're kind of similar to me where it's like, you've just lived so many lives that like people can relate to something, right? Uh, So let's get into it. Go, go, go. Um, Okay. So I'm Tiana. Um, I actually connected with LCK way back in Oh, that been 2017, 2016, I think, because I, um, I have a long history of eating disordered stuff, which we can talk about or not talk about. I don't know what direction we're going to go. Um, but during my, um, last year of physical therapy school, stress was super high. I was training my face off, which was my one and only coping strategy for the majority of my life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, my eating disorder stuff was real bad. And I heard, I think this was when you were working for Jason Phillips. Mm-hmm. So I heard um, some podcast or something and reached out to um, Jason Phillips nutrition company and like was literally paired with you as my coach. Yeah. Well, you um, were literally one of my like first five clients. Like you were, <laughs> so you were like test subject 001. You were like They're the original like, guinea pig. Yeah, you get Lori. I was like, who's Lori? Sounds great. Um, and then you were that year I was still running ultras. I think I was finishing up that year. I think I ran five fifty Ks and I was working with you at the end of that year. Um, you were doing yeah. all. You were doing the most because you were doing CrossFit and marathon training. Like Sixty and- miles of running a week on top of like five days of CrossFit, eating like no food. Lori was like, "You're doing what?" <laughs> Sounds about right for Lori. Well, and you like did the great tour divide when we were coaching together too. So like, that was, I, re- I think that was before the tour divide was before. Because that was when I was in my psych program, my master's program. Okay. Okay. I just remember like the consensus was like every day you'd be like, I'm doing the most. I'd be like, but are you eating the most? Like, girl, can you eat more food? And you'd be like, no, like I'm good. I'd be like, but girl, like food, (laughs) let's go. 
So that was kind of like I had. So my my background. Maybe I should start a little before that. My I did my bachelor's in psychology, um, and then after undergrad, my career path was going to be a psychologist. Like I applied to five master's programs in psychology and five doctoral programs um, because you event you need a PhD to practice psychology. Um, I got into one <laughs> program. I got into one master's program and it was in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I was like, well, looks like I'm moving to Arizona. <laughs> I'd never been to Arizona before. So I got in my car with my best girlfriend at the time, Paige Cochran, who was a psychic energy healer, spiritual type person. And like, got a bunch of Paige, crystals. <laughs> literally, like the most. Sage, Sage in the apartment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. And we, we we drove across the country from South Carolina and um, we stayed in a hostel and a flagstaff for two weeks while I found a place to live. And she got me settled out there and I did my master's program in clinical health psychology. So clinical health psychologists work with people that have like chronic health conditions. So anything from like diabetes to like anxiety to migraines, like a wide range of things, but kind of the the psychological part of like some of the chronic healthcare stuff. Um, and one of the things we actually did in that program was run weight loss groups, kind of like habit-based weight loss groups. So we used the I think it was Epstein, like red, yellow, green food system was what we used. Um, so that was kind of my first like exposure to like nutrition coaching. Um, I didn't really, like I had, I was like not thinking nutrition coaching at all at the time, but that was kind of my like intro to it looking back. Um, long story short, I finished the master's program, decided I didn't want to practice psychology and, um, Spent the next year doing some prerequisites to go into physical therapy school. Got into physical therapy school. NAU actually has like a top 50, like nationally ranked program. It was a really like pretty prestigious school in terms of physical therapy. So I like, I freaking hustled to get into that program, like networked my ass off. Like I, I did everything and I got in. And I was like really excited. I was like, all right, like a career that like I'm freaking hyped on, like let's freaking do it. And uh, long story short, after a year of practice, I was like, this ain't it either. You totally <laughs> so, swerved. Yeah. I swerved. I mean, literally after, it was after the first six months of practicing physical therapy that I was on a call with Lori because she was still coaching me. And um, she was like, why don't you try nutrition coaching? And I kind of just like looked back at my background and um, I mean, the big piece that I was missing was like the hard, like science, like nutrition education, but I had like all of the behavioral change stuff and I had the communication skills and I like, I had a lot of the, like, I guess you might call them like softer skills um, that I thought would make a really good like coach. So I was like, okay, like I know how to learn stuff. Like I'm really like at this point, I'm seven years deep in freaking grad school. I'm like, I can learn, I can go and learn some of the hard nutrition stuff. Um, so I took the um, Nutrition Coaching Institute course, um, mentored under Lori and just like started studying my face off. I like, you know, just read a ton of nutrition textbooks. And at this time, Chris Master John was putting out a ton of like really good like kind of more nerdy nutritional content. So I was following him really closely. And um, I just, I studied my face off for that first year and then started coaching people full time. And I think I quit 
officially quit physical therapy literally after a year. So I think I quit mid 2018. Um, and then I've been coaching full time since then. Well, and I think on my end, it was so interesting because it's like, that's a common theme you see with nutrition coaching is it's like you're working with people and they're really passionate about certain things. And there's certain things that like light them up and bring them so much joy. And I remember like with the work stuff for you, it's like, it was kind of the start and end to so many problems because it was just this chronic stressor for you that it's like, you were working so much, you were so stressed out, but then mutually it's like you weren't making good money. You were super stressed out about like, oh my gosh, I have so many thousands of dollars dollars of student loans. I I remember you told me, I remember you told me that I was like, holy crap. Like I was like, yeah. Yeah. So that was like like next level loans. So it was, it was cool though, right? Because it was like, you have those conversations where it's like, well, what's the long-term game here? Because, you know, if we have this chronic thing in our life, that's just plaguing and almost like, you know, like poisoning everything, you know, it's like everything in life's going to be broken. So like, it was cool to see that it was kind of like, Hey, like, let's talk about this work thing. And, (laughs) and, you know, kind of trying to go a different direction. Uh, So it was cool, though, that, you know, you were able to kind of look the bigger picture and step back and realize, like, this thing isn't serving me, which it's a bummer. But, you know, what, where do we go from here? And like, how do we serve into things like that was just so, so cool. Well, I mean, it was honestly like my worst fear had come true because after my first semester in my master's program in psychology, like, or my first year after the first year. So the summer in between my first and second year, I went into my advisor's office and I was like, I really don't want to fucking do this. Like, I'm going to quit. And she looked me dead in the face. She was like, you're not quitting. You're going to finish this program. And so I finished that second year, like knowing that it was like a dead end thing that I didn't want to do anything with it. And then I got into physical therapy school. (laughs) And this time after the first year, one of my advisors pulled me into their office and they were like, you don't want to freaking be here, do you? And I was like, no, like, this is what I want to do. Like, I know this is what I want. And so like, I think at that point, I think at that point I really did. I think I, like, I thought I was going to fall in love with it. And I was like, I was so convinced that I wasn't going to invest all this time and energy and yet another program and like come out of it and not, not want to do the thing. So I think I was just like, I had convinced myself that I wanted to do it. And I don't, you know, I might end up going back to it at some point too. I have no idea. I just know that like, in terms of like personality traits, like extroversion, introversion, like your girl is like, we are introverted AF. And so like to jump into a career where I was interfacing one-on-one with people for eight, 10 hours a day, like, it's just like, it doesn't really suit my personality style. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a way that I could maybe engage with it differently, maybe down the road, but the like one-on-one clinic setting was like, not it. Do you feel like, cause I, like something I commonly hear, especially with like PTs or just like, I would say medical professionals in general is it's yeah. like, they, if they go the route of like, they run their own business, they work for themselves and they don't take insurance and therefore can treat how they want to treat. It's like totally different ballgame, but it's like so many people I hear struggle with the, 
I work for a, you know, a company that's very, very large or bigger than myself. We can only practice what insurance, you know, deems acceptable or, you know, it's like we have this right. cookie cutter plan. Where did you kind of fall on that spectrum? Like aside well, from the, the actual personality. That's the thing is like the clinic I was working in was like a mom, like the people that owned it, like I was good friends with them. Like it was just two people that owned it. It was a small clinic. It specialized in chronic pain, which is something that I actually enjoyed treating. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, I never had to treat more than one person at a time, which is very common in clinics. You have like two or three people that you see and you're delegating tasks to physical therapy assistants. Like I didn't have any of that. I had one person at a time. I had 45 or 60 minutes to treat depending on what I wanted. So in terms of like, if I could have designed an ideal clinic for myself, like it was like I was in the setting that if it was going to work, like it would have worked. And the fact that it like didn't even work there, it was like, uh, I don't think this so, is it. So what made you, I guess, make that transition to nutrition coaching? Was it, um, yeah, I mean, what was that for you? So I think, um, I mean, I have had a um, complicated relationship with food and body image like my en- entire life. Um, I grew up. Uh, just kind of like troubled, I guess you would say, like, I was just always very angsty. And like the specifics of what happened are irrelevant. But I just always like, I think because uh, I don't know why I don't know why it happened. But I always had a problematic relationship with food. And it ranged from like, restriction to like binging. Um, And when I I started using drugs and alcohol pretty early in my life. And when I was 18 years old, I got clean and sober. I stopped using drugs and alcohol. And that was when my eating stuff got like really bad because I no longer had this thing that had been like my primary coping mechanism. And so I I did the master cleanse and I would like, I remember like going to hot yoga classes and like literally like passing out in class because I hadn't been eating. Like I was full, full on the side of like restricting. And then, um, once I finished playing, I played soccer through college. So I was like dealing with all this weird eating stuff while I was like a college athlete. So once I had finished the whole soccer thing and gotten into grad school and stuff, I started running a lot. And the thing with endurance exercise is like, it like totally fucks your appetite. <laughs> so yeah. like, just like could not eat enough food to like, literally like compensate for the amount of training I was trying to do. So then I had this like other like binge eating stuff going on and um, had always had I think I tried to, I've talked about this a little bit off and on over the years. Like I've definitely tried to like spiritualize kind of my like body image issues to like, I practiced a lot of yoga. I taught yoga for a long time. And, um, I think I got to a place where I was like, I don't care what I look like. And I, I almost like de like full on, like detached from my body image at all. It was just like, you know what? Mm-hmm. My body just is what it is. Like I, I, I was so distressed about how I like looked and felt in my body that I just had to like kind of like check out from it. And, you know, through working, once I finally hired Lori and through working with her and like actually learning, hey, if I actually eat enough food consistently, like I'm not binging my face off all the time. Like this is odd. Um, So we like had worked through 
kind of this like system of like getting my calories up and getting my activity level more manageable. Because like, ultimately, if you're doing so much activity, like there's no amount of food you can eat. Yeah, <laughs> that is going especially, to allow you to you recover. Doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. literally, like I was running 60 miles, like 60 mile weeks. I remember I would so I would go to CrossFit. And we would do like, you know, strength, Metcon, whatever. I'd be there for almost two hours. And I would literally like change my shoes. I had a little backpack I would run with my water and I would go out for a 20 mile run. Like that was normal. And I remember one day I like, I stopped, I was like 12 miles in or something. And my body, like, I remember my body was like, just like exhausted. And I, I remember it so clearly. I was like, I was so upset. And like confused. I was like, what is wrong with my body? Like, why is it so tired? Like, why can't it do this? Like, I was like <laughs> legitimately like confused about why my body like couldn't do what I was asking it to do. And I look back now, I'm like, well, duh. Well, duh. <laughs> um, like, obviously. But I think just kind of like working through working through all of my sort of like coping mechanisms through like over-exercising and eating and getting that stuff to a place where it was like well-managed. It, it was like, I mean, literally transformational for me. Like I finally had the mental space to like do other stuff with my life that I, I didn't have when I was so consumed by, um, trying to navigate this like eating and body image stuff. Yeah, you had this whole world ahead of you besides like what you look like, right? Literally. And that's kind of why, like, I mean, full circle, it's been strange. that's interesting. Yeah, because now. (laughs) It's it's strange to find myself like pursuing like physique sports, which is how I I think about it at this point. Like, but I think the, and there's definitely a lot that I have to learn with like the bodybuilding stuff. And um prep is really hard on you personally. It's hard on your relationships. It's hard, it's hard on everything. Um, I think the reason that like personally that I feel okay with how I've managed the like, like body image side of, of things is because I like, I struggled with that stuff for so long and I came yeah. into like competing in bodybuilding with such a like unique perspective on like, like I liked myself. (laughs) I wasn't like, I wasn't chasing like validation through like looking a certain way. Like I had already, I had, I had learned to appreciate my body at 170 Mm -hmm. pounds. I had learned to appreciate it like in all these different phases. And so then like Alberto Nunez, he talks about like your, you know, like your body and prep, your body for like for stage, like it's like an outfit that you put on. And like, I really feel like I had that like perspective, like this is an outfit that I'm putting on for this thing. And then when this thing is over, like I need a different outfit. Like there's no reason to stay at 10 or 12% body fat. Like it's literally fucking dumb if I have any interest in like managing my health or I mean, Generally, if you're competing in physique sports, you have some interest in your physique looking better the next time than it did previously. Yeah. So it's like the longer that you spend at 10, 12% body fat, it's like you're not helping your future self at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're, leaving, you're leaving some gains on the table by just staying there. Just get the fuck out of Just yeah. like get out. <laughs> just get out of there. Um, and I think too, like it's really, 
it's challenged me to like really own and feel comfortable and confident with like my body weight swinging around. Um, because people make comments, you know, like I feel really good about how I like the rate of weight gain I had after my first show. Like I got up, I think to like 160, 165. And I, I did that because I knew I wanted to turn around and compete again the next year. Because the first time I competed, I literally decided I was competing like three weeks out. Like it was, it was just kind of a shit show. Like I was just doing a fat loss phase for Instagram. I happened to get really lean. Someone was like, Hey, you should, you should try this thing. You should get on stage. And I was like, okay. So, so this was, this was your first my first figure competition, your first figure season. competition. So that you was, just, that yeah, was 2021. So, so you were just doing a cut yeah, or just losing body fat. And then you were like, somebody was like, put this idea in your head and you, you decided to roll with it. Literally, literally like, and that, yeah. that, that fat loss phase in 2021 was like, I remember that actually. Yeah. That was the first time I had dieted since working with Lori. Like hmm. I had, I had done a couple like, like little cuts for like a weightlifting competition, but I, like I had never done like a 12 week, like fat loss phase. And in 2021, I was like, I think I'm ready. Um, so I did it and I got, people started messaging me like, are you getting on stage? And I was like, no, I'm not getting on. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm not getting on stage. I love how like, that's like the, that's like, oh, you're super lean. You're shredded. You should go compete in bodybuilding. Like, no, like what the fuck? And, um, I had hired Sam, um, Okanola. I can't say his last name. He's a, he works with RP. I had hired him because, um, my sister dragged me into, helping her with a photo shoot for some brand she was working with. So I had hired him just to like help me look better for that photo shoot. And um he saw my physique and he was like, are you competing? Like, why the fuck aren't you getting on stage? And I was like, what? Like, what is, what are you talking about? And he, he was like, you should just do it. Like, he's like, if I find you a show in four weeks, like, will you do it? I was like, I don't know. And he pulled his Instagram. He was like, should Tiana compete? And everyone was like, yes. I was like, Okay. <laughs> and also um, to kind of like put two and two together. So like, obviously everybody knows me as like the queen of like makeup and hair extensions, like all this stuff. Like Tiana is like 150% the opposite of like living her best life on the beach. Like, um, I was, I mean, I always I joke about like any makeup, Lori, <laughs> Literally, like, Zero. Like I have contact solution in my glasses on my vanity for the record. <laughs> what is that like? <laughs> Although you did get hair extensions for your last figure show, right? I did. I like the first year, I, the first year was just like, Hey, don't fucking fall on your face on stage. And I was yeah, like, especially okay. those, those heels, man. Those. What the fuck? You girl, I played soccer. Like I, I don't do sports and heels. I didn't know how to do that. Um, the first show was a shit storm. Like, let's just be clear, but like I did it and it was enough to get me interested that mm -hmm. I was like, I want to do that again. Um, and so like, I, I think I pushed my, like, recovery phase a little bit harder because I knew I wanted to turn around and get on stage again the next year. Um, yes. So what's that, what's that process like? I mean, for those people that don't, aren't familiar with, like, the whole prepping for a... Because you do figure, is that correct? That, that's figure. Yeah. yeah. 
so, so there's what's that just look like, like briefly like the categories. So bikini is like probably what a lot of people think of at this point, which is strange because bikini is like one of the newest categories, but it's probably what a lot of people think of because a lot of girls on Instagram when they're posting their bikini girls. Um, so bikini is like the least amount of muscle. And then you have wellness, which is like bikini upper body, but like thick as fuck. Legs you got a big butt. old booty. That's what it is. Big old booty. <laughs> <laughs> so wellness is unique because um, symmetry is big in bodybuilding, but in wellness, they literally want you to be like, like literally not symmetrical. Like your lower body should be substantially larger than your upper body. So that's like bikini wellness. And then figure is the class I compete in. So a lot of like women that have like done sports or have like good muscle density, like sometimes, um, figures a good spot. Cause I just have muscle from like doing stuff over time. That's kind of where mm-hmm. I landed, but you still wear heels which is what it is. Um, and you do all the too, hand right? poses too, right? Yeah. Like you. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's physique, which is like a little bit more muscle than figure. And those girls are barefoot and they do like these like cool choreographed routines to music, like posing routines. And then the bodybuilding girls are yoked as fuck. Um, so I'm still like on the lower levels of like muscle mass for like the bodybuilding deal. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the question? I don't even know. What I yeah, was I, was, I was just curious. Like, what's what's the uh, what's oh. the process look like? So, from you know, if someone was saying like, "Hey, I want to do mm-hmm. uh, a, a bodybuilding competition, like a bikini or figure or whatever," like, what's that look like from like start to finish? Like, at least from a dieting, maybe from a dieting standpoint. <laughs> A lot of hunger, <laughs> and then a lot more hunger. Don't, and then I think people don't when you're realize done that, competing, like how, it's yeah. like even more hunger. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I mean, I think like like anything, like there's levels to it, right? And I was actually just talking to a client that I'm working with, and she's um, getting ready to do her first show this year. Um. And the way I was explaining it to her is like any. Anytime you do like the type of fat loss phase or diet, diet prep, whatever you want to call it to get on stage, like it really is um, like a, what is it? Robbing, robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of situation. Like, um, so the harder you diet, the arguably like the harder your recovery phase is going to be. And so I think for like a first time athlete, um, it's probably less productive to think about how do I get this person in the best shape possible and more productive to think about like how much can they handle on the backside of it? Mm. You know, I've never heard it put that way, but yeah. Yeah. A lot of people like, I mean, if you want to do one show, like just to like check it off, like a bucket list thing, then, you know, maybe you just like you freaking get after it and you know that you're just going to be fucked up on the other side of it and you're like, okay with that. But if you want to like be in the sport and compete like over time, like you don't want to just be totally fucked up after your first show. Like, you know, like you want to you want to be able to improve over time. Um, So I think I think that's what made this last year for me interesting is that I already had like the first kind of like trial year under my belt. And so this year I was like, okay, like I felt like I kind of knew how to diet to that intensity. Um, So I felt like I would be able to push a little bit harder. 
And I mean, according to the DEXA, we did push harder. We got like 2% leaner. Um, I mean, visually, I definitely looked leaner. Um, I feel like we, I feel like we definitely, we dug harder this year, but just to kind of tie that back in, like, I don't think I would have been prepared to like push as far as I did in this past year, like the first time I I competed, like it just wouldn't have made any Mm -hmm. sense because, um, even the recovery phase, like this time around, like just to give you guys some numbers. So I, I dieted into the show on like 1500 calories for the last few weeks. Um, and then pretty much immediately after the show, we bumped me back up to like 2,800. Um, and then was that your maintenance or was, was that just close ish? Yeah. I think maybe we did a week at like 26 or I had like a week where I didn't track whatever. And then we just like bumped right back up. And then, um, I gained, I think it like, I just looked at my numbers. I think I was gaining at like a rate of 1.6 pounds a week for the month after the show, which was probably pretty appropriate for where I happened to land. Um, and a lot of this stuff is maybe not helpful to talk about like absolute numbers. Cause it's probably, it's more probably helpful to think about like percentage of body weight. Cause like, you mm-hmm. know, if you're a larger human, like you're just going to swing around more. But for me as a 150 ish pound person, like, um, I feel like that rate of gain, you know, if I gained a pound and a half a week, three, you know, six pounds in a month, like that's yeah. probably pretty reasonable. So what was your like, when you started, what was your weight and body fat? And then when you competed, what was what was your weight and body fat? I think I started prep up. I hit a high of like 163-ish. And I, I think we started cutting like in January. And the first few months were kind of a disaster. I think I, I, I traveled to Colorado in February. I got COVID. So January and February are kind of weird. But um, I don't remember what my body fat was specifically oh i think i was up around like 18 or 19 percent which is still pretty lean for uh that's according to the dexa like so i mean i don't know it's and i i even did like a post like a side by side with my sister because she's um a little bit taller than me and like she just like she always just looks really lean but she actually went with me to get a dexa that time and she was like 18 percent body fat and i was like 19 and you put us next to each other and like i definitely looked like I'm not saying fat as like a negative. I'm just like, I looked fatter than her, like substantially. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. our body fat percentages were very similar. It was like, mm. I think it has a lot to do with like how much like muscle you have. And then like how totally. your body fat like looks on top of that. Like I have a ton more muscle than she does. So like my body is just like bigger. Um, but that was just like kind of a cool experience to like have with her because you know, our body fats were relatively similar and let, you know, like our shape and size are just totally different. But, um, yeah, so I started around 160 ish, 19% body fat. And then, um, I think the decks I did right before the show, I was hanging out around like 140 at like, I think one of the decks had me at like eight or 10% or something wow. like that. Like it was fucking low. Wow. Um, I mean, you I, were I, shreddy. I don't think I was truly, I don't think I was truly 8%, but I think I was, I, I think 10 is probably fair. How did you feel like during this process? <laughs> Such a hard question. This is like, I feel like this is like the hardest question to answer because if you've ever done 
anything that's like difficult for a long amount of time, like you don't like sit around and think how terrible you feel. Like, it's just like, like, like it's, why it's you're cog- in the moment. <laughs> Literally. It's like, it's like cognitive dissonance. Like your brain, yeah. like just can't, it like can't imagine that you like feel that terrible. So you just like, you convince yourself that like you're fine and like your entire world around you is like on fire <laughs> and you're like, I'm totally fine. Like what the fuck? <laughs> it's like that meme with the little, the, the, the like, everything's the fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everything's on fire. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but I'm fine. Like it's all good. What the hell? Um, I mean, I, I think like, and I was just reflecting on this too. Um, you know, I'm in a time in my life where like, I don't have kids. Like I, you know, like my responsibilities are myself and running my business. And um, I live in a place where it's super easy to be active, like my schedule, super flexible. So I think like, I have this unique kind of time when I can like, I can participate in this sport like in a pretty unique way that I probably won't be able to do in two or five years. Um, So I think like given the environment that I've created for myself, like I could feel really fucking terrible (laughs) and still like show up and, and like do my, like do my job well and like do all of my daily things. Okay. Um, but I think it would have been a lot harder or like I would have had to manage stuff differently if I had like an office job or I had to like Mm. interface with people more. Um, if I was like, I know a lot of personal trainers like prep, I'm like, how the fuck do you train clients for like eight hours a day? Like while you're dieting, like I could barely even like, I look back at like some of my stories and I'm like talking slow, like shit's like not shit is not working up here. I think that was the biggest thing I noticed this last prep. Um, was just like the co- like my cognitive function was like pretty fucking terrible. Even my like energy throughout the day, like if I kept myself moving and walking, I actually like felt okay. But my my brain power like took the biggest hit pretty early on too. That was interesting. So, Tiana, obviously, we'll kind of count out your first show since that was just kind of like a fuck around, find out like you yeah. literally just died <laughs> sure. and signed up for a show. Hundred so percent. Like- when you kind of decided like, oh, this was fun. Like, I want to do this again. What was the timeline between, you know, you said you were like, cause you're five, six, right? Five, mm-hmm. five, five, six. So you mm-hmm. were five, um, five, six, and you were about 160 something pounds. And then by stage, you know, you got down to 140. What yeah. was the time frame difference between that? Like, how long were you prepping to go into the show? So I think we start, I'm looking at my, um, graph. I think we started, we officially started dieting. Let's see. In, I think we started like in January and the show was the end of July. So maybe it was like six months. Okay. Yeah. With pretty much at some point, my Sam, like two months before the show, he's like, we haven't had any diet breaks. I was like, we've had no diet breaks. Like, (laughs) No, Dude, I breaks. remember. I remember you. You came to because that was in Austin. That show, that second show, and you came to Austin. And Did I look you, tiny? You were. You looked super tiny, but also too like your diet. You were saying that your diet was so clean that asparagus tasted sweet. Like I don't even know, yes. like vegetable. <laughs> like, like I'm like I've never heard that before ever in my life. <laughs> so that okay. So this is some other like rabbit hole that I've been super fascinated like in learning about what this whole prep stuff is, how 
much like my hunger and satiety hormones like fluctuated during all of this and how like when I was super lean, like literally any food item tasted fucking phenomenal. Like literally asparagus, like it literally tasted like dessert with a little bit of salt. I was like, (laughs) oh, this is amazing. (laughs) But I think that's like... To, like I had never experienced that before. And like, that was like a next level of like dieting to me. I was like, oh, this is like fucking weird. Like I, people always have weird prep stories. So the um, freezer or refrigerator we had in the hotel in Austin, like it was supposed to be a refrigerator, but it ended up like freezing stuff. And so I had all these hard boiled eggs that I had put in there and um, they had frozen um, and you ate them, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I was so hungry. You had exicles. Egg ice cubes. <laughs> you had exicles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Them. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, though. You know? And you were hungry. What, what did your nutrition choices kind of look like? Well, again, just call this like your first prep since it was your first yeah. official one. But like, I... I think it's common, especially when we watch social media, you see so much of kind of like the, if it fits your macros approach, where it's like everything that people are eating is sugar-free, very, you know, like very processed and stuff like that. So it's like reversely, especially after coaching for years with you, you know, your nutrition was always the opposite where it was a lot of whole foods and it wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, I yeah. eat fruits and vegetables. It'd be like, I eat like 1200 grams of you know, fruits and vegetables. So like, <laughs> if you were going <laughs> to... plants. <laughs> so if you were going to summarize, you know, like how did you choose, you know, what foods you were eating during prep and, and stuff like that? So I think this is, again, like the hunger and satiety hormone stuff. I kind of like went pretty deep down this rabbit hole. Like pretty much the entire prep, I was like, what food choices can I make that are going to make me feel the most satisfied? Because again, like when you're dieting for six months, like, you know, that you're going to get to a point where you're hungry more often than not. And I do think there's like a timestamp on how long anyone can like tolerate that. (laughs) Um, So I was really making an effort to like stay as satisfied as possible for as long as possible. Um, So I was doing a ton of like, um, I figured out, I know not everyone can tolerate raw vegetables, but they actually work really well for me. And like the crunchy, like chewing thing is really good for satiety. So I would just like cut up, you know, pretty large bowls of like, I'd have carrots, zucchini, eat a ton of just like raw plants. Um, and I would do, I go in phases with like meat where I just have no interest in eating meat whatsoever. Um, I was vegetarian for a long time growing up. I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but I'll like go in phases where I'm like, I don't want to freaking eat chicken. So I'll just like, I'll eat my plants and I'll have a protein shake or something. And so there's, there's times where I actually get a lot of my protein, like from protein supplements, um, like powders and shakes and stuff. And I mean, I don't think it's a terrible thing. I'm still hitting my protein requirements. Like whatever. But so I, like I would do some of that. Um, but my, I mean, when I was eating protein, it's all basic stuff like chicken. Um, we have a local seafood market. So I was going out there and all the guys at the seafood market were convincing me that the fish was way better raw than it was cooked. So I was doing like ceviche and like just a ton of just like basic, boring protein foods. Like the other thing about Key West, 
that makes it different is like we don't have Costco, we don't have Whole Foods, we don't have Trader Joe's. So cooking is not canceled. Cooking is not canceled. So you know, like I like my food is super basic, like chicken, ground beef, ground turkey. Um, I I fuck with tuna packs and canned salmon. Like I'm not opposed Lord's to those work. things. Yeah. I will eat them. Um, and yeah, like, uh, oh my gosh, I did so many berries, like raspberries, blueberries, blackberries, um, avocado, nuts and seeds for fats. Like that was like pretty much how I thought about it during prep. It was like, I need a protein source. I need a ton of plants to get my carbs in. I still kept in cereal post-workout because I fucking love cereal. It's crunchy. And I think that there are some potential benefits to having those faster digesting carbs in the post-workout window for recovery. Even if it meant I was a little bit more hungry, I -hmm. thought that the recovery benefit was, was worth it. So I did have like your top two, top two. Yeah. Uh, Lucky charms. Duh. Duh. Um, and well, then probably it's like than, uh, meat, but I don't know. <laughs> According to that you know article. How many people <laughs> sent me that story? I got that shit so many times. <laughs> I was like, whatever. Um, Lucky Charms is the goat though. <laughs> Lucky Charms or um, I really like, uh, what is it? Crispix. Okay. Which is like what? Half corn and half mm. rice, I think. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a cinnamon, cinnamon checks, cinnamon toast, any cinnamon cereal for sure. Yo, so good. Yeah. yeah. Cereal is like, I, I feel like too, like, I think for me, there's like some emotional stuff with cereal because it, it was a food that I used to like binge on, like pretty like mm. boxes of cereal. And so the fact that I can like now like eat some after a workout and like, that's it. It's like, I'm like, yes, like we're winning. <laughs> I actually have two questions for you, Tiana. Uh, one is what are your, a lot of your like go-to carbs? Because you kind of talked about like what proteins yeah. and stuff you frequent, yeah. uh, you know, like what fruits and veggies. So my question is yeah. what carbs do you love frequenting? And then I would love to actually talk more about like what binging looked like for you yeah. personally, uh, for just because sure. I think that a lot of people will be able to relate to that. Yeah. Um, well, this is going to be really boring for everyone also. Um, I love oatmeal. <laughs> Which I actually, so I actually don't really eat oatmeal. I didn't eat any oatmeal during prep because Mm -hmm. even though people say it's really satisfying, like it doesn't really do that for me. So I actually didn't like, I prioritize eating like crunchy cereal over like oatmeal during prep because it felt more satisfying. That's kind of a side note, but, um, oatmeal, um, potatoes, I haven't done sweet potatoes very much lately. Um, cereal. Oh my God. I do Jersey Mike sandwiches. So bread, (laughs) white bread. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm like super boring with food. I'm a dog. I literally eat the same stuff for like months at a time. Well, well, it kind of helps because I mean, if you're, if you're trying to control for calories, which you have to, in this particular case to get a certain level of leanness, like you almost have to have like very staple foods. Well, that's what like, um, you know, I don't write meal plans for people. That's just like not how I prefer to coach. But um, as I'm working into coaching competitors, I'm like, hey, like there's nothing that says you have to eat the same foods. But like there's a reason that bodybuilders like do that. And it's because it just removes some variability from the Mm -hmm. equation because 
I mean, you know, with food tracking in general, we we all know there's a bunch of variability anyways. So like when your meals are consistent, like you just kind of remove that that piece of the puzzle. And that's something else too, that like, as I got closer to the show, like in bodybuilding, you do care about like your waistline and like what your midsection looks like. So as I got closer to the show, like I had to take my plant intake down just so like my midsection was not like, Hey, there's five pounds of plants in here. Like, cool. Um, so again, that's why I was trying to prioritize like feeling satisfied for as long as possible. Cause then towards the end, it's like, you know, you probably, you need to pick some lower residue foods to fill your macros with because it just takes up less space in your gut. Oh, do we have the question about the, the bin? Oh, yeah. That was so, the next yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So circle back, uh, just cause we talked a lot about like, you know, I just kind of thought it would be helpful to circle back to what did eating disorder and is specifically like binging was something that you just really struggled with. So like, what did that look like for you? Because I do remember one thing that you did a lot of was journal and you would journal Mm -hmm. and just talk about, Hey, this is what I'm up to. This is how I'm feeling. And I loved that you did that because, you know, it was just a place to kind of stop and reflect and, and get, you know, get to circle back to feelings and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, what did, what did the eating disorder look like for you? Were there certain things that would trigger those binges? What did those binges look like? I mean, now that I have like so much education and like experience in this space, like I think I can clearly say that like I was asking more of my body than it could recover from. So I definitely think like at at this point, looking back, I would say there was a very clear like physiologic component underneath of the emotional stuff that was driving the behavior as well. I think when I was in it, I didn't understand the, like any of the physiology stuff that was going on. So I thought it was just this like emotional coping strategy that I had developed. Um, So I think it's definitely like, just given like, it's been cool to get some perspective on like, Hey, like this wasn't just something that I was doing because like I was emotionally fucked up. Like this was something that like I had developed as a coping mechanism. And it was clearly exacerbated by the fact that I had no ability to moderate my physical activity whatsoever. Um, so I think for me, like, I mean, I, I think one of the, when I was struggling with it a lot, was during those clinical like rotations. So your last, so physical therapy school is two years of class of courses. And then your third year, you're out on rotations for the entire year. And my first clinical rotation, I was out in Tuba City um, on the reservation, on the Navajo reservation. So I was like very isolated. (laughs) Um, And I was doing like a really intense like diet when I was out there. I think I found like the Michael Michael Matthews like leaner, thinner, stronger, some <laughs> bullshit or whatever the fuck. It was like 400 grams of protein and no carbs. I was like, okay, cool. So when I was out there, like I was like super restrictive diet, like running a lot. And, and then, I mean, that was, I was just binging because I was like isolated and by myself and stressed out. And then, um, by the time I had wound up in Prescott Valley, which is when I started working with Lori, 
Um, I was still running those ultras. Like I saw one of my training runs recently too, and it was 15 miles on back-to-back days. I was like, what the fuck? Like Saturday, Sunday, 15 miles, 15 miles again, like same course, like homegirl literally went out and just ran the same course again. (laughs) Like, I don't know how I did that mentally, but I know that kind of stuff. Like, definitely led to me binging and I think too just like with all of the work I was doing in physical therapy like those situations when you're in clinicals like you're just you're asked to do so much and you're expected to know a lot and you just you just don't know shit and so I think it was like really triggering or you know not trigger I don't know if that's the right word it was difficult to be in those situations where your expectations of you are here and like you feel like you're down here and um I think it was just like yeah I I remember I would like leave work and I would go to the grocery store and I would buy food and I would just like shove it in my face on the way home in the car like I wouldn't even get into the house like I'm just like shoving like eating pints of ice cream in the car um and I mean, Prescott Valley was pretty bad. Like I, I called out of work more than I was allowed to because I would literally just like be sick in bed. Mm. Um, and then I would do the whole like, you know, I'd go out and I would run, you know, try and run off whatever I had eaten or whatever. Um, mm. That was probably like, I definitely feel like things had gotten better. And then I think that was probably like the worst. That was when they got like really bad. And then it was since after that time, it's kind of been like, recovery road again what what was like the main catalyst for the recovery for you was it was it because I know you kind of mentioned it earlier but I kind of want to I mean I think like if I look at if I look at like if I if I look at my recovery over like from when I you know like let's just say 2017 kind of when the binging was really bad up until like now so that's Mm -hmm. like what almost five years five six years yeah So I think like the biggest piece of it for me was like allowing myself to eat food and like Mm -hmm. allowing myself to eat more food than I thought, like than I thought I should need to eat or whatever. Um, So, I mean, 2018, I was pretty much living in a body that was like 165, 170 pounds. Like that's where I was living. I was training there. Um, I was Olympic weightlifting at the time. And then, I mean, 2019 was when I was like really sick, like adrenal fatigue. Like, I think just my body had kind of shut down from, you know, trying to start the business while I was doing PT stuff. Um, so I mean, 2019, I was just trying to like feel better, feel like a person again. And like, so there was no dieting there. Um, so I, I think having a few years where I had like fully embraced like, Hey, we're just going to fucking eat food. Like, and we're not going to try and like make our body look a certain shape or size. Like I, I needed those years Mm -hmm. and I don't think everyone needs like years of time, but like, I, I literally needed five years before I felt like, okay, like, I'm together enough up here that I can go and try and do a diet and like feel okay about it. And I I think too, like, again, like this is why I talk about like the importance of being process oriented with any of this stuff is like, I, 
I really think that, you know, if you sign up to do it, you know, if you're like, I want to do a diet and like you're attached to like the end point in your brain and like, that's what you're attached to. It's like anything else. Like if you do, if you sign up for a thing and you're just thinking about the end point the entire time, it's like, I don't know. I just don't think that's the best way to go about doing you, stuff. You get it's burnt like, out. You get burnt out. Yeah. You yeah. Mean, and it's like, as soon as... not only that, you're just missing the opportunity. Like you're missing mm-hmm. the opportunity for like, you learn so much shit learn along the so way. Much. And this yeah. is, yeah. this is kind of why I wanted to talk about the tour divide thing too. Like, so this, this thing I did, I was on a bike by myself, literally in the middle of nowhere for like 30 days. I would bike like a hundred miles a day sleep on the ground or in a hotel or some stranger's house or whatever. And I would get up and I would bike again the next day. So it's like 30 days of Tiana biking in the middle of nowhere. And there's like literally like one second in time where I actually finish the thing and I like cross the finish line. I make it to Mexico, like 2,700 miles. Like I hit the finish line. And like that experience for me was like, to this day, it gives me goosebumps. It's like, that that was where I really like fully learned to embrace like this process orientation mindset because like it was like every single day like so much shit happened and it might maybe the shit was just me counting my pedal strokes for like 18 fucking hours but like there was so much learning in that and it's like if I had gone into that only interested in that moment that I crossed the finish line like yeah. I don't think I would have made it I think I would have quit a hundred percent. Like there's no way I would have my ass freaking hurt my hands. I had neuropathy for six months in my hands. I couldn't feel anything here from like biking, like hands on the handlebars for whatever. But, um, even like, so I all bringing that all back around to like the binging stuff. I think for me, the recovery process from my experience with eating disorders was, like just embracing my body in all aspects of that process. Um, and I think that is, I think that's kind of what I just continue to like, mm-hmm. kind of like re reground in, in all, in all aspects. Like if you can just focus on the process, then I feel like you set yourself up for a much better level of success than if you're just constantly fixated on this like end point thing. Yeah. Has, has it been difficult for you to kind of go from that, from that thinking, that mindset or, and, and whatnot to doing a sport that is like really focused on what you look like, what your body looks like? I mean, again, I, I feel like that's, I feel like having this process oriented mindset is what is allowing me to engage in it in a way that like feels like good to me. Mm. Um, mm. And to say that I like, it's, it's so weird because, um, to say that I don't care about what I look like on stage, like that's not like, that's not entirely true, but to me, the interesting part is everything that takes place leading up to that. And then everything that takes place after that. And it's like, of course I want to show up on stage and like, you know, look my best, whatever that happens to be. But like, that's not, that's not the interesting part to me. Like the interesting part is the process that it takes to get there. And then, I mean, the recovery diet stuff is just like fascinating, like to go from 
watching yourself like be a freaking twig to being like okay like um prepare to shove your face with way more food than you have in the last however many months and prepare to not fucking feel full either like no satiety anywhere just like you're gonna keep eating your stomach's gonna feel distended and your brain is gonna continue to tell you that you need to fucking eat it was the weirdest shit but it's it's so strange because I kind of expected it to feel like the the bin the binging stuff, mm. but it, it didn't. It didn't feel. It didn't feel like that. Like it was just such a. And I don't know if it's just because I have this like new understanding of how all of the hunger and satiety hormones work or whatever. But it was just like wild to like eat until I felt physically full, and then for my brain just to be like you need to keep eating. Like my brain was just like concerned for my survival. It was like, no, like this is not enough food. (laughs) Like you need to keep going. How long did that last for you? Like uh, if you had your show, like how long do you feel like you sat in that phase of like, I'm eating and my body is still just like, nope. I feel like it was, I mean, if I'm honest about it, I feel like it was probably two months. I've heard it can go on for like months. With and, I mean, that's and that is me doing what I thought was a really fucking intelligently planned like recovery diet. So I, I feel like where a lot of people go sideways is you get this like post show binge thing that turns into like one or two weeks of post show binging. And then people try and like slow down the rate of gain or even try and like lose weight again, like there. And then that's when your body is just like getting all these mixed signals. And it's like, no, like, and I think I like, because of my history and because of my like intellectual understanding of some of these processes, like I would say I I was probably even more like invested in doing a good recovery diet. Um, Like I was probably more invested in that than I was like in doing a, a good prep for the show because I was like, I don't want to go back into my old eating disorder stuff. And I understand that I'm not going to fucking feel full. So let me make food choices that are as high volume as possible. So I at least have that like mechanical satiety feeling because you haven't had that in forever either when you're prepping. Cause you're just like eating is almost annoying toward the end. And it's just like, it just makes you more hungry. You're like, okay, I'm fine. It's like, here's your portion of food. And you're like, Oh fuck. You're like, no, I'm really hungry. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think that I was, I was pretty, pretty strict with my food choices for, um, and I know Dr. Mike Isertel like talks about that, like even after any fat loss phase, like your, your brain is primed to overeat literally like from a hormonal perspective. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like your, the types of food choices you make can have a huge impact on like what your calories end up looking like. Have you acquired a lot of friends kind of in like the competing and physique and figure world? I don't have friends, Lori. <laughs> well, because I ask because <laughs> you guys are my only friends. <laughs> I ask because it's like for people that might not be familiar, like what it's super common to see is that 
people will, you know, diet down to these super small percentages of body fat for stage. And then it's kind of like, after so many months of restriction, it's very common to see these same competitors uh, posting pictures of like donuts and cookies and pizza and all Mm -hmm. these things. And so for so many people, it's very common for kind of like Tiana was alluding for it not to just be like, a one-time or two-time thing, but it turns into weeks. And so uh, it's not uncommon to see people rebound super hard after these shows. But kind of as she's alluding also, it's like this fine dance of like, well, yes, I do have freedom to eat more food, but also, you know, like, how do I come back smartly? So I think that's all super interesting. Well, well, and it's hard too, because like you you need to gain body fat. Like, and this is, again, it's like, this is where, like, I think there are levels to it. And it's like the leaner that you get, it's like kind of, it's more advantageous to you to like, get the fuck out of there quickly. Um, But, you know, I I think it's different when you're talking about like, um, even like female versus male competitors, like dudes, like they're just, they can get leaner. So like, they just have kind of a bigger hole to dig themselves out of. And I think female competitors, like we have totally different hormonal profiles. Like there's just different shit that I feel like just, it takes time. Like, you know, your sex hormones don't just bounce back overnight. Like, you know, like amenorrhea is not uncommon for competitors. And it's not like, at least in my, this is my opinion at this point, like, if you want to be on stage, like if, if that's what you're doing, like you're signing up to be at like essential levels of body fat. And so you're signing up to like have some fucked up sex hormones. Like that's just part of the gig. But you also have to, I feel like the informed consent piece is like, hey, this is a thing that is likely going to happen. And again, it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like you're going to have to spend some time recovering from that on the other side and recovering from that again in my perspective is not just go out and smash calories for two weeks it's like give yourself a couple of months where you're actually like eating enough food to recover from whatever time frame that you spent dieting to get down there were you doing regular lab work to basically track what your like thyroid was doing what your hormones were. So I tracked, I, I, I pulled my thyroid labs. When did I pull them? I pulled them right before the show, I think. And then I pulled them again, kind of when I felt like I was recovered, I think like three months after. And I mean, I was definitely like hypo thyroid, um, before the show, but I have an IUD, so there's no point in me testing like sex hormones because um, they wouldn't mean anything. Um, but the other thing is that I do have very, very, very low levels of antibodies. Um, I mean, my antibodies, antibodies currently, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my antibodies currently are the lowest that they've ever been. They were the highest back in 2019 when I was going through all of my like whatever the fuck you want to call it, like uber stressed out Tiana body state. Um, And they were only like, I think they were in the 300s or something then. So they were still like low for antibodies, but not zero. Um, And I think currently um, they're sitting around like a hundred or, you know, like they're super low, but that's just something that like, I probably do 
it's one of the reasons I wanted a longer off season. I'm like, I need some time to not be dieting like for my hormones and for my fucking mental health. Like that diet, like it was a hard diet. <laughs> it was a very hard diet. So I wanted some time to not be dieting. Um, so I think this whole, this whole year, 2023 is going to be Tiana, like not dieting, getting fucking yoked <laughs> so that, um, I'm in a good place, like metabolically, psychologically, whatever to do another, like, you know, relatively hard diet to get on stage again in 2024. Do you generally periodize and kind of plan out your nutrition and your fitness stuff for like how long or how far in advance would you say you plan those out? Like, is it like a year long? Do you just kind of do like, Hey, the next six months? Cause you're, I, I it, mean, I was just gonna say like anybody that follows you on social media, it's so fascinating because again, you love data and you love yes. having a plan. Yes. And so it's like, you know, it's like, I feel like if I was doing this, it would look way different than you're like, okay, here's like the landscape of what we're doing. I mean, I think like for me, and I think maybe this comes back around to like part of the reason I'm interested in, in all of this is like, I've, I've been an athlete forever, but I've never like, I don't know. I don't think I've had the like time and space to like invest in like training the way that I've wanted to like for a long time. So now I like, I like have it. And so it's like, it's super fun for me to like plan out these longer term things because I know if I want to show up on stage, like looking different in 2024, then it's like, I have, you know, at this point I have 18 months to work with and it's way more interesting to me to like plan out, like, why wouldn't I structure that out so that I can show up as best as I can, like on, on stage next time. And I feel like if I'm super meticulous about like how I choose to like manage the like off season or the thing with bodybuilding is like, it is the sport of like building. <laughs> so it's like the part that everyone like sees is like the prep stuff because it's interesting. There's metrics that are, you know, like your body weight's dropping, like, yay, you look leaner. This is cool. But I guess the way that I think about it is like the meat and potatoes of the shit is like, it's the building, the bodybuilding part. It's like when you're eating food and like, you're actually trying to grow muscle because I mean, fat loss is really fucking straightforward. Like eat less food, than activity that you're doing. Like you have to put less calories in than you're expending. Like that's literally it. Like the hypertrophy stuff is like, there's a lot of shit that will make you not grow muscle the way that you want to. So I think like this time period to me is like, it's way more interesting um, and kind of fun to like work with. Well, and that's part of that probably too, is also it's like, people don't really document the growing phase or that building phase as much as it's like, really boring. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's like, I, I feel like that's also a thing is it's like, you know, when we see somebody, you know, if a dude goes from 200 pounds and then gets down right. to 150, it's like, well, it's right. also like almost very like satisfying or gratifying to watch right. because, you know, reversely it's like, 
oh, like, cool, I'm just eating more food, lifting heavier. As far <laughs> as training stuff, do you pretty much just live in hypertrophy? And are you doing your own programming, following some else's? I else am doing my own programming. It's super fun. I love it. Um, I worked with Sam, like, pretty much through the recovery diet. And then I've just been, like, in this place where I've been enjoying, like, writing my programs. Um so I've been writing my own programs. I've been doing primarily hypertrophy, but I did run a little like two week, um, like systemic block before I started my mini cut just to kind of, my thought process was to like ramp up energy expenditure before I cut calories. And I mean, my cuts going really well. I don't know how much, you know, like how much that played into it, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. And I think it gave me the, um, you know, adaptations I wanted. So I think just because I have so much time like this year, I would like to program in like a strength phase for myself because I haven't done that in for fucking ever. Um, And I have some other like, I will spend some time like, you know, throwing in systemic blocks here and there. But again, it's like meat and potatoes, bodybuilding is like actual hypertrophy. So Pretty much anything else that I do is so that I can make those hypertrophy blocks as effective as possible. Um, Did you mentally struggle because you kind of came from the high intensity background of like, I'm running for hours on end and then, you know, obviously like CrossFit and then you switched to performance, which I think was so crucial, especially when you were kind of in that healing stage. Oh my God, girl, yes. You know, (laughs) here I am all of these years of under eating, you know, yes. under eating, overtraining, doing the most have caught up. So I think yes. you did such a smart swerve by being like, Hey, I'm going to focus on performance and Olympic weightlifting and yes. how much I'm lifting rather yes. than, you know, I think that let you kind of step out of, okay, this is, you know, what my body looks like. But did you struggle when you went from all of those modalities to, again, bodybuilding is just so much different because it's not about stroking the ego. It's not about how much weight can I lift. It's about lifting in high rep ranges. It's about, Uh you know, my muscle connection. So like, what did that transition training wise look like for you? And did you struggle with it? Well, it was forced because I was broken yet again from weightlifting. So if you guys remember, I had, um, like I had, (laughs) right. Like just, just kicked you to the curb. Weightlifting said, fuck you, you're done here. It's like, okay. (laughs) Um, I had like some chronic knee inflammation from all my running um, that I was getting drained like literally bi-weekly when I lived in Arizona. And um, my knee stuff just continued to get worse when I was weightlifting and had some PRP injections. I have a torn medial meniscus. I have strained ACL, MCL, and basically no cartilage in my right knee. So like, as the doctor said, it's not if you need a knee replacement, it's when. So like, cool. Um, Thanks, doc. Appreciate you. Uh, so like by the end of, um, I think I weightlifted like through 2020, r- right? Because I was weightlifting in my backyard and um, kind of toward the end of the year, it was just like more shit was breaking. Like my knee was fucked up. My back was fucked up. And um, in January of 2021, I had radiating pain and numbness all down the outside of my right leg, like couldn't sit, stand, whatever. So I had decided to take a break from weightlifting to rehab. Um, and I started just doing some bodybuilding training. And, um, after a few months of that, it kind of was like, I was just trying to be, you know, like I was reflecting on everything and I was like, 
don't feel broken right now. This is really great. <laughs> well, and I think that's so like underrated about bodybuilding too. Like it's it's not sexy, but truly it's like, if you know what it feels like to like get done with, you know, workouts and stuff and you just feel like you played in traffic and stuff, it's like, that is so underrated to just be yeah. like, yo, like I'm training hard. I'm garbage. Like, yes. It was, yeah. I, and I think at that point I was just like, I mean, how many years, like, I mean, I played like from the time I was five years old, I was literally playing like year round soccer. I played soccer through college and all of my like freaking drug use and debauchery, whatever. Like I somehow managed to still do that. And then ultra running (laughs) this endurance biking bullshit that I did, um, CrossFit weightlifting, like my little body was just like, help. So, I mean, I think in terms of like, I think I came to, I found bodybuilding and appreciated that I no longer felt broken. And I think that has further caused me to like go down all of the like biomechanics, like anatomy, like rabbit hole with it is like, I know that my, like, I have a lot of in pre existing injuries and like my joints are like, they just get kind of grumpy pretty easily. And so, yeah, it's been super cool to like, hey, how can I put my joints in really good positions and like train the shit out of my muscles? Like, that sounds cool. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, Tiana, so if you were going to give advice, like if somebody, because I do know a lot of people that it's like competing in some sort of like figure or bikini or something is a goal for people just kind of as, kind of like you were saying, like just like a one-time thing just for funsies. I think a lot of people are like, can I do it? Like, am I, can I buckle in? You know, can I do this thing? So if you could give advice for someone that was like, Hey, you know, I want to do a show. Would you suggest they work with a coach? How do they go about finding a good coach? Cause I feel like it's super common to uh, see these companies that are just like, Hey, eat a thousand calories a day and put on this bikini when it's like, ah, you know, it's like, you've actually been able to diet on a lot of food, you know, it's like, especially your surpluses, I, I you'll post about like, <gasps> Hey, I'm eating 3000 plus calories. So it's like, yes. how, would, how would somebody go about Leo, you know, like finding the right people to work with and just kind of what advice would you give them? I mean, I think, um, the, the people I follow are like, uh, it's like 3DMJ Re- revive stronger. Like some of the, I follow like a lot of the coaches in like the natural bodybuilding space. So I think I don't know anything about like the enhanced things, but I just know that they're over there and that a lot of people (laughs) end up taking drugs and they don't know anything about what they're taking. So I like, I literally can't say anything about that stuff. I know nothing about it. Um, I just know that I think probably the biggest, like the biggest piece of advice that I would give to someone when they're looking for a coach is like making sure that the coach is like educated and willing to help them in the post show period, because Mm -hmm. that is like, honestly, I mean, prep is like, if you're interested in bodybuilding, if you're interested in doing a bodybuilding show, you're probably a little bit type a, you probably like, um, a little bit more like rigid, like you probably like some rigid guidelines. Like you kind of like that stuff. So honestly, like 
Yes, prep is difficult. You're fucking hungry. You're tired. You're irritable. Whatever, but it's easy. You follow the meal. Like you, you hit the calories. You do the steps. You do the training. Everything trends in a very pretty direction. You're looking leaner. You look great. You're like, this is cool. And then the post show is like very much less entertaining. People are not interested in it. So it's just like, hey, you did this thing. Everyone thought was like super awesome. You got all this like social validation and whatever. Um, Enjoy slapping 10 pounds of body fat back on your frame and people being like, what happened? Are you okay? Like I literally had... This person didn't say this directly to me, but they they asked someone I knew like if I was pregnant because of the way that I had gained body weight back. And again, it's like I think that's something else that like prep has given me is that like it's made me super confident in how I manipulate my body weight and it's like it doesn't matter like because at first when I heard that, I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, it doesn't matter. If that person thinks I look pregnant, that person thinks I look pregnant. Like I was really confident in how I, and how I had managed that post-show period. And yes, it resulted in me gaining some body fat back. My body looked different. Like if you're going to play in the physique sport pool, <laughs> you better have a few different sizes of clothes on standby. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I love what you said earlier about different sizes of stuff. <laughs> yeah. What you said earlier about like you wear different, like it's like wearing a suit, you know, yes, like a, like a costume, yeah, like an outfit. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think in terms of like finding a coach, like, um, you know, ask about how they'll help you manage the post-show stuff. Um, I also think that again, it's like, I know, I think I've heard um, like Alberto Nunez talk about this a lot, like start working with a coach like way before you think you need to, like you probably shouldn't start working with a coach when you want to prep. Like you should probably work with a coach when you start your off season and then you got like, you do an off season together. Maybe you even do, they call it like a prep positioning cut. Like, cause most people like don't just do like one diet to get on stage. Like most people do like a prep positioning or like a pre-cut, whatever you want to call it, like diet to get like, you know, in, in the proximity of where they need to be to start their prep. And then maybe you hang out there for a little bit or whatever, and then you prep. But it's like this whole like 12 to 16 week time frame of like, Ooh, I'm going to hire a coach and do a show. Like that's a like surefire way to, I feel like put yourself in a dumpster fire and pay for it. You're going to pay <laughs> jump in a dumpster fire. <laughs> I feel like that's almost the equivalent, right? Of like, sometimes we see that where somebody will be like, hey, I have a wedding in two months and I'd like to hire a coach to diet. And you're like, oh Lord. I, uh, like, <laughs> no, you know, like, where was this thought like six, eight months ago, right? So I think kind of same thing. It's like, I love that you brought that up there where it's like, hey, maybe if you're even starting to spin the wheels on like, I think I'd like to compete and I'm like serious about it. That's when to hire a coach, not like, oh, I'm trying to DIY this. Well, it's like, I mean, here's the thing too. It's like, if you like, when I was prepping, like people thought I was like, like I look sick. Like you have to understand that like the look on stage is like, it's not what you look like when you're walking around. Like, I don't, if, I mean, Alex saw me, like, I didn't look yeah. like healthy. 
I mean, you didn't look, I mean, you look unhealthy, but you definitely, you definitely were very small. Like, yeah. And it's it's weird when you see it like in person, it's like, it's not what you see on stage. And like, I think you were, you were, um, right before the day before. Right. So like you had been like kind of drying out a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, I guess that's maybe something to consider too, is like, you don't like the look on stage is not what you look like when you're it's like manufacturing. around. Yeah. Like you get <laughs> like, cause like the tanning and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. So gross. Got to bend over and they spray that all over. In there. <laughs> like make sure you get all in the cracks. <laughs> it's like cattle in there. Like you're just naked with like fans and tanning spray. And like, it's like very unsexy. <laughs> Oh, what man. was your digestion leading up to like when you were kind of at the Amazing. tail end of things? Because, and the reason why I ask is I remember that the entire Paragon team was actually at Laura's house. We were basically having like a seminar weekend and it was like the couple of days right before you were to get on stage and you had us dying because like every day you were giving a play-by-play where it would be like, guys, I need to get on stage soon. Just please pray your girl's going to poop. Like what, (laughs) what was that like leading up to stage? Because again, it's like food is just so. (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's too, like this is where like shit gets weird or it got weird for me. I can't speak for everyone. Like I, I just like, when you're so, when I was like so focused on like this thing, it's like you're, you're just like, you're fixated on all of your like very basic stuff. Cause that's like the only, like you get to move around, <laughs> you get to eat a little bit of food and drink some water. And like you just like, you don't want extra stuff like sitting in your stomach. It's like, I just need to make sure that I'm freaking regular. Um, so I never really like, I mean, I feel like because I like did so well with like my diet choices, like I never had any like super weird digestion stuff. And I kind of knew that like, if I got up and drank some hot water and like walked around that I could generally like go to the bathroom, but it was interesting. It was like, like earlier on, I could walk for like 20 minutes and I could go. And then it was like, an hour walk and then it was like an hour walk and like moving around a little bit more doing some squats I may have to drink some coffee and then I could go so it's just like it was a very real experience of like everything like all of my bodily processes like very clearly like slowing down just because there's like less energy coming in well but also like I would imagine especially that last week or two before you get on stage like that's normal with thyroid stuff anyway is that you're going to have right. slower digestion so it's like right. it would be so fascinating <laughs> to see like what are thyroid levels like a month out from stage and then like the couple days leading up cuz I bet it just like swan dives off you know, Well off that's like I mean that's I, I can send you mine I don't remember the exact values off the top of my head but that was like what was so interesting is they weren't like I guess that's why I think I did it like my prep was like good is that they weren't terrible. And so it's like, okay, I could probably like, I could probably push a little bit harder. Like now that I've dug myself out of like that, like level of hole, I'm like, okay, the next time, you know, if I want to look leaner or I want like, I'm like, I feel like I could dig a little bit deeper into the hole. Like I have a little bit of room. Yeah. My, my blood work and whatever is going to look a little bit more fucked up, but I'm like, all right, I dug out of that. I think maybe next time I could dig a little bit more. But I, yeah. I think that's like a much more productive way of like, or for me as someone that wants to continue to participate in the sport, like I think that's more productive as opposed to just like you dig yourself 
yeah. you know, way the fuck down there. And then, I mean, I've had clients like that, that they, for whatever reason, they just are not informed about what the fuck's going on. And they have these terrible rebounds and they gain 50 fucking pounds. And they, I mean, they spend years like trying to undo this 12 week diet that they did literally. With your training stuff, did you notice, cause normally it's like when you're dieting, you definitely feel way better, obviously when you're well-fed and you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But like, was there ever a point in your prep that you found training just got exponentially more difficult or like felt harder, took, you know, took more motivation? Um, caffeine, more, more caffeine. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I feel like which one? Yeah, literally. (laughs) To the face. (laughs) How much cold brew can Tiana drink? Like, let's find out. Um again, I feel like that, like my experience, I was very clear going into my cut, even early on, that like the purpose of training when you're dieting is to retain the muscle mass that you have. Like you don't have to fucking break any land speed records when you go in there. And so I think I was like just super clear on that up front. And, um, and you know, I don't know if it's just my like history with training, like fuck I've trained in any possible scenario you, you can imagine. Like my ass has just showed up to training. Um, so I don't think I ever like, I'm not saying I wasn't tired, but it, there was, there's nothing that stands out to me that was like, Oh my God, like that was you know, super hard. But again, it's like, I feel like it's hard to answer that objectively because in the moment, you know, you're just always making the best of whatever it is. Um, But I think I was very clear on, yeah, the purpose of training when you're dieting is to retain the muscle tissue that you have. Like, you don't have to set any PRs. And people are like, well, if you're not setting PRs when you're dieting, you're not training hard enough. I'm like, you know... Here's the thing. If you're brand new to training and you happen to decide that you want to diet, which is dumb, you shouldn't do that because you can get a lot of gains by just like eating food and training hard. Like you're going to set PRs if you're brand new to training. Like even if your food's low, you're going to set PRs because you're getting so many adaptations. But again, it's a training age issue. It's like as you train for a longer period of time, the ability to make progress gets harder. And you have to have a more ideal set of conditions around you at any given time to make really good progress. And if you pull your food, that's like you're pulling, it's not impossible, but you're pulling a bit, a huge variable that supports you in making progress in, in those areas. And again, it's like bodybuilding, the physique sport realm is not a, it's not a competition of who can bench the most. It's like who can, who can diet like and it's not even just a fat loss game it's a muscle retention game it's like how much muscle can you keep while you get lean as fuck and that's mm-hmm. different than like how lean can you get you know mm-hmm. well and i think also it's like the way i would almost phrase it is that like figure and physique competing is almost how much are you willing to suffer? Because truly, you know, it's like you have so many puzzle pieces that we have to put together here. But ultimately, you know, it's like, how hard can you push that in addition to, you know, who has the best genetics? Um, right. You know, <laughs> one question I Not did. Not shape over here. 
with figure competing, because I know that certain classes, it's very popular for women to get breast implants. So oh, I was yeah. curious, like, is that is that also something you see in figure? And then is that ever something that you would consider to, or does it do even matter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think like a ton of women in all classes, I would say, have like breast implants. Um, I think I'm at this point, like I'm clear on like where I live currently in bodybuilding and where I have the potential of living. And I'm competing in the NPC, which is an untested federation. So like, I'm not competing in natural federations. I could do that. I just, the tanning is better. The lighting is better at NPC shows. Like there's a lot of stuff that's, they're bigger. I don't know. I just, that's kind of where I landed. Um, And again, it's like, I'm not competing because I'm interested in winning. Like I'm competing for the experience of doing it and getting on stage and recovery and everything else. So um, I don't think I ever have a chance of like, even if I were to get a pro card, like even if like, that's like, maybe, maybe I get a pro card. Um, I would never, my physique would never be competitive, like as a pro athlete. Because I am not willing to do the things that I think would be required for me to be competitive as a pro. So it's like, well, boob implants are, would probably, they would, I mean, realistically, like could potentially be on that list, but there's so much other shit on that list that it's like, no, thank you. Like I'll keep my team tiny boobs. Like I'm good. <laughs> That's a super mature way to, to think about it too. You know, like you know, you're doing it for other reasons. You're, you're doing it out of the, you know, enjoyment that you're getting out of this process. You're not necessarily trying to like get this to like this upper epsilon type place. And you're really comfortable with who you are and your body and things. Like that. I mean, I think that's why, like, that's why I share what I do like on my social media is because that's the process is what I find interesting. Yeah. And I think even, I mean, I don't, I, I work with two people that are competing, like, and I have a lot more clients than that. So, I mean, literally like one, maybe like 0.5% of my client population are competitors. So it's not, I'm not sharing this content because I have a ton of competitors that are following my page. I'm sharing it because I think people are, in, I think people are interested, like people that aren't competing are like, how does this work? Like, what does this look like? Um, and there's a lot of like, I feel like it's better now, but there's a lot of like weird, like hush hush, like people don't talk about like the processes and stuff. They didn't for a long time. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what that's about, but, um, I have really just enjoyed sharing my processes with people. And it's been cool to see like how people have applied pieces of that. And it's like, I mean, I talk about the scale stuff all the time and I think, I'm really glad that early on in my coaching career, when it was like kind of sexy to tell people to like not weigh themselves because it made them uncomfortable, that I was like, no, like, hey, I think you learning and understanding why the scale like does whatever the fuck it does. I I think that is more empowering than you avoiding it because you don't like the number on it. I 100%. Um, And so, I mean, I think I kind of shove that down people's throats when they follow me, but you know, it's their choice to follow me. Um, But I think it's, I think it's cool for people to understand that your body weight does fluctuate and like 
I mean, mine, fuck, like even now fluctuates like six, eight pounds over the course of the day. It's like, it's normal for that number just to be all over the place. And so when I have found with my majority of my clients, when we understand all those variables that make the scale do all sorts of things, it's like a much, it creates a much better relationship with the scale as opposed to just like, I don't want to look at that. Yeah. I, I really like what you said earlier about like, your uh, one of your big benefits is is from doing this is that you've been able to um be able to manipulate and control kind of like how your body looks what your body does and yeah. i think that that's super empowering and so many 100%. people like i mean again it's like the fear of of doing certain actions or or taking certain steps like you don't know what's going to happen but you have this confidence that you've done through this process that you understand what your body does how things work and it's not scary Right. And it's like, and the other piece of that is like knowing, like knowing when and like, when is a good time Mm -hmm. to, to push. Right. Because, um, I'm sure you guys do this all the time with clients too. It's like some people, like they want to do a fat loss phase and it's like, they have a newborn baby and a puppy and they're working 80 hours a week and like, it's snowing outside. And it's like, how about we just don't do that right now? Not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can we just like push that back a bit? (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I think that's like, that's what to me, like where the, like all of this, in my perspective, all of this has to exist on like a foundation of acceptance. And I I say this Mm -hmm. to people all the time, like changing your body can be really fucking fun. Like it doesn't have to be this like toxic, like diet culture thing. Like it can be fun and interesting and you can learn a ton about yourself doing it. But if you're changing your body, to like yourself, that's where it's like, that's a hard stop for me. It's like, that's those two things. It can't be like that. Like, like learn to like yourself. And I'm not even saying like, you have to learn to like, like your body. Like you might not like your body where it is. That's like, okay. But you have to like you, you have to like Mm -hmm. who you are and you have to accept that your body is what it is at any given point in time. Like this, like white knuckling, like I have to lose these whatever pounds. Like I have, it it does not end in positive outcomes. It really doesn't. Like I have gotten much better outcomes with people by encouraging them to fucking stay at maintenance for way longer than they want to. (laughs) Like we're just going to hang out here and we're going to learn. You're going to learn to feed yourself. You're going to like literally appreciate the energy that you have, you're going to appreciate smashing it in the gym. You're going to appreciate the fact that you're not fucking starving all the time. Um, you're going to appreciate the fact that you're sleeping well. Like, and it's like, once you can kind of get people to like, Oh, like I don't have to be chasing fat loss all the time. It's like, you can just like see the wheels start turning. And then it's like, when they get to a place where they're like, Hey, like I'm ready then it's like a totally different experience. It it is interesting Mm -hmm. and it can be fun. Um, But I feel like the acceptance piece, like it it has to be underneath of all of it. That's a mic drop right there, man. (laughs) Well, and I think too, it's cool to see that you kind of went from this place over the years of like, you just don't know what you don't know. And for so many 100%. of us, like that's, you know, that's where we we live for a while. It's like, you know, in retrospect, you're like, man, I would do things so much different. But it's like, 
you know, we end up when we're coming out of that, at some point, you kind of end up in this place where you almost feel like your body is betraying you, right? It's like, I'm gaining 100%. all this weight. I feel like garbage. And why is my body not. doing this to me? <laughs> and, and what it is, right? Is it's like, well, actions do have consequences. And unfortunately, you know, at some point those show up. But how cool is it that over the years, through acceptance and through education, you've then been able to come to this place of empowerment of, hey, if I want to gain muscle, I know exactly what has to be done to get there. <laughs> hey, if I want to lose body fat, I know exactly how right. to get there. And so I think like that's the coolest part is like, I've gotten to see all of those stages of you over the years. And and again, you know, it's like to, to see you on stage is just so wild and so cool. So, um, you know, also just to selfishly be a hype girl and be like, dude, like it's, it really is. It's, it's cool for sure. Um, Alex, did you have any other questions? No, I mean, that was awesome, T. Really enjoyed are- listening. Yeah. Yeah, this. this is so cool. Well, Tiana, how can people find you slash where should they go if they'd like to work with you? So um, you can find me on Instagram, which I don't know if you guys can link my, it's Tiana Nicole Talent. And then um, I actually do have a new website. I haven't formally launched it yet, but you guys can go there. It's just my first and last name, tianatalent.com. Um, and you can apply to work with me there. I do one-on-one coaching right now. Um I have a handful of people that I'm also writing individualized programs for. Um, so if you're wanting someone to like manage all of your shit, holla at you, girl. <laughs> Real quickly, Tiana, who would you say your ideal client would be for like nutrition coaching? Like what would kind of be the bullet list of like if you XYZ, like who would who would most align for you as a client? Um, someone that's been trying to diet forever and is sick of like, not kind of has that mindset of like, feels like their body is working against them. Like those are my, those are my people. Um, Alex question. How do we sign? How do we sign out now that we have the, (laughs) I mean, I think we just, I think we just sign off. We got the, we have an outro. So yeah, I mean, we've got our. We've got our uh, plugs for us in there, so. And we and it plugs. Say, I'm like so excited for you guys. Like this is the coolest thing ever. Um, I can't wait to like see where you guys take this. This is awesome. We also have to, yeah, like yeah, we got to keep this in the episode too because this is just so part of the learning process. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, Over here yeah. trying to be official with intros and outros, yeah. but you're also like, so how do we end this? Well, Tiana, well, we. Yeah. Yeah. We we oh, miss yeah. you so freaking much, dude. So like also we to need get to get to together. One hundred. Um, yeah. Come yeah. come hangs you soon. But that's okay. all we got for today, y'all. Thanks for listening. Yo, if you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd really love if you'd share this episode, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find LCK on Instagram at Lori Christine King and LoriChristineKing.com. And also follow me at Alex Q. Macklin on Instagram and AlexMacklin.com. 
You can also check out Paragon Training Methods for fun and effective workout programs to help you build muscle, enhance your physique, and look and feel great in just 30 to 60 minutes a day. We have nine different evidence-based workout programs, and you'll have the freedom to work out when you want, where you want, and how you want. Whether you're working out from home or at a gym, there's fun and effective options for all goals, all skill levels, and time constraints. As a member of Paragon, you'll have the access to our amazing training app, online fitness community, and tons of free nutrition and fitness resources. LCK, Brian, and the Paragon coaches will be there every step of the way to help answer your questions, correct your lifting form, and help you work sustainably towards your goals.